last week our forum right our open forum amen and we want to thank everybody for the feedback that we received and uh, we see great things happening with our English ministry right now we know that the presence of God is here in this place and we know that we're here there's angels here but we know we also want to fill this place with other people and with the help of the Lord we will accomplish this right now I'd like to invite you to join in prayer with me for our pastor he wasn't feeling too well as of yesterday night And uh, today he's not uh, with us right now here in this place, uh, but he was here for a little bit in the Spanish service. So we're going to pray that God will touch his body and continue to heal him. Amen. In Jesus' name, let us bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you one more time for allowing us to come before your divine presence. And Lord, just as we asked for in the Spanish congregation, we now present, Lord, our gratitude and thanks, Lord, for you carrying out a healing In, our, in the body of our pastor, Lord, our pastor, brother, we ask God that you continue to heal his body, but that you will touch him and strengthen him, God, as well as our sister, brother, and the entire family. And we thank you, Lord, because it's not anything serious. And we thank you because we know that there is healing in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for touching our pastor and strengthening him, as well as the entire church. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord one more time. Praise God. You know, the Lord is here today. God is here. And I believe that God has something for us. God has something for me. God has something for you. And in Jesus' name, we're going to carry this, this out. And I'm going to invite you, before you open up your Bibles, I ask the other congregation the same questions I'm going to ask you. How many of you have siblings? Amen. Amen. Especially you, brother, right? Amen. We know the Moreno family for years. Amen. And uh, for the longest time, my daughter was an only child. For about 15 years, she was an only child. And then the Lord blessed her with a sibling. And uh, it's a blessing, amen, with his challenges as well. Praise God. And it's so, it's so beautiful uh, to see my, my girls and to be able to say, I got to go home to my kids. I myself am an older brother. Then, uh, then I was born. Then I have my favorite sister. My sister Veronica, and then uh, my oldest brother is Desiderio, named after my father. Then myself, and then uh, my sister Veronica, and finally the baby, which is Juan Daniel, and now we know him as Daniel, Danny. And uh, so it was four of us that grew up together. And anytime we sat down to have lunch or dinner, it was a six pack of Coca Cola or Pepsi or RC. Four for us, and one for mom, one for dad. Amen. We, we went through a six-pack every time we sat down together. And uh, <clears throat> like I said, we grew up. We had our challenges, uh, sometimes getting along. Yeah, they call it sibling rivalry, right? Where sometimes, you know, some want to do other things and they want to play with the toy longer or whatever the reason is. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Unless you're an only child, amen. You're not an only child. You have brothers. Hey, everybody here has siblings. Amen. All right, so. How many of you know about our paternal, our spirit, spiritual paternity program in our church? Where the men, we have 
like a brother or a child, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers. How many of you know about that program? Amen. How many of you have been part of a cell group? Part of a cell group where somebody came up and said, I want to be baptized. I want to give my life to the Lord. How many of you have, you, have you experienced that blessing? And maybe some of you have volunteered to be that spiritual father. Amen? Where we pair you up with somebody and you're, you are to be their mentor. And this is part of our reflection of the word of God for today. And I'm going to invite our brothers up there to uh, put forth the Bible text from chapter 4 of Genesis, verse 9. Amen? The Bible says the following, and I'll read it up from the screen. And the Lord said unto Cain, this is what the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel, thy brother? And he said, referring to Cain, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Look at that. That connotation in that conversation. But today where we are going to reflect on my brother's keeper my brother's keeper amen if you'll bow your heads one more time Lord Jesus one more time we come before you acknowledging you Lord as you counsel us in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path Lord the verse also tells us before that that we don't lean onto our own understanding we trust in you Lord we seek your guidance so today Lord one more time I come before you humbling myself asking you God to touch somebody here today once more. Feed us, God. Feed us the word of God. Give us a living word for us. Give us a Rima word, Lord, a very specific, perfectly placed word of God for our lives, Lord, that it may touch us. Even if it hurts God, that it may shape us and help us grow and mature today. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we thank you. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Thank you, brother. 20 minutes, amen? That way you help me keep track of time. How many of you have ever heard somebody say the following or maybe you thought about the following? A desire that was expressed, a wish that somebody said one, one day in their life, the following. I wish I had a biblical family. I wish that my family was like those families in the Bible. Interesting enough, the Bible itself shows us families with turmoil, challenges, pain, suffering. Yes, there's blessings. There is triumph. There are great legacies left behind by certain families. But they are still, nevertheless, not exempt from having felt and gone through hardships, through pain, through suffering. So we present to you the first family, the first siblings in the Bible, Abel and Cain, born to Adam and Eve, the first human beings, the first male, the first female. Abel and Cain, brothers, brothers uh, in the flesh, the first ones to have ever uh, perhaps played together. The Bible shows us that God and, and these two siblings had a direct communication. And Abel is a young man that loves sheep. And Cain, a man that works the land. And the Bible tells us that one day they 
present themselves before the Lord and each presenting unto God an offering that they chose to give unto the Lord. And the Bible shows us that God sees with being pleased with, with uh, he was pleased by the offering of Abel. But he was not pleased with the offering that Cain had presented before him. And God sees the displeasure because Cain acknowledges God has accepted Abel's offering, but he does not like my offering. And God warns Cain and says to him, Cain, why are you displeased? Why are you unhappy? Don't you know that if you do that which is good, that your offerings and your actions will be seen uh, with pleasure, that I will be um, pleased by your actions? And God warns Cain and he tells him that uh, with his attitude and with the way he feels that sin is there knocking at the door of your heart. And beware, Cain, beware, because sin wants to come to you and to take over you. But Cain, you have to dominate sin. You have to be careful. You have to guard your heart. But with all of this counsel, Cain is unable to heed the warnings of God. And Cain makes a plan. He puts together, he fabricates a plan. And he decides to execute his plan driven by jealousy, driven by anger, driven perhaps by a feeling of rejection. I'm sure that Satan came and touched his heart. And Cain says to Abel, let us go out to the field, to the countryside. And his little brother, his, his brother that was innocent, Abel, goes with him. And unfortunately, it's very sad. We know the story that Cain, driven by this evilness in his heart, gets up and rises up against his own flesh and blood, his brother, and he kills his brother in, in, in the fields. God looks at him and says, Cain, where is your brother? Where is your brother, Cain? And or where, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know where Abel is. And I'm paraphrasing here. He already begins to prepare a plan to defend himself. And he tells God, I don't know where Abel is. And he comes up with a very negative attitude, an attitude of rebellion, an attitude of rejection, of disrespect unto God. And he basically asks God, what am I? My brother's keeper? Is it my, my job? Is it my responsibility to take care of Abel, to watch where he is? Is it me who's responsible to make sure that he's okay? And unfortunately, this negative attitude is carried on and reflected in humanity. There was a brother in our church, Brother James Sanchez. I believe that God used him as he mentioned this scripture. And he asked that question, where is your brother? And that Cain answers, what am I, my brother's keeper? And Brother Sanchez, I believe God used him. Yes, yes, you are your brother's keeper. Yes, it is your job. It is your responsibility. It is your duty to make sure that your brother and that your sister are safe. Yes, as a matter of fact, you being older, you being more experienced, you being more mature in the ways of the Lord requires you to actually look out for the better of your brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't seem to make much sense, but... In fact, we do have a responsibility. Even if we don't want it, we are held accountable by God. 
with this thought in mind, I'd like to take you to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 10. And we're going to read certain sections. It's very important for us to take something with us today. This church right now, the English congregation is a small congregation with many brothers that are going to be added on and sisters by the word of God. And the Bible shows us in verse 1, brethren, brothers and sisters, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. In other words, if somebody falls into sin, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit with a spirit of meekness. Considering yourself or thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And what it is saying here is brothers, sisters, Paul is writing to the brothers. Paul is writing to Vida Abundante Church. Paul is writing to the church of San Fernando, to the body of Christ. If any of you, you notice that one of your brothers or your sisters has fallen into sin. It says here, he's saying... Go and restore them, especially you that are the spiritual ones. So let me explain just a little bit. Going a little bit and laying down a foundation about mankind. When a person does not know about God, the word of God, the Lord, anything that we know about that is because of the fact that God has spoken to our lives, the Bible considers them and names them as a natural man. When it says natural man, it's inclusive of males and females. Natural, a natural man doesn't know anything about God. The Bible says that a natural man cannot perceive the things of God. Those things which are spiritual. That's why a lot of them may stand outside and look at the church people and say, there go the holy rollers, there go the hallelujahs, those that stand and cry and speak in tongues and all those very strange things. They don't understand it because they've never had an encounter with God. In reality, what's happening is their spirit is dead with their sins and their transgressions and where their breakings of the laws of God and anything that they have done that's unrighteous and unfair, they are dead because of their actions. They don't understand it. But then something happens, and maybe you've been through this in your life as a Christian, or maybe as a new person that you're hearing this, you're gonna, it's going to start to make sense. That by the grace of God, His grace, somebody begins to speak to somebody about the things of the Lord. Maybe at work, somebody that you know, that you've been talking to about Jesus, that first maybe rejects you, that maybe criticizes you, that makes fun of you. Nevertheless, they're around and they maybe intentionally or unintentionally are hearing the word of God. Then something happens in their lives. I don't know if it's happened to you, but it's happened where somebody draws near and maybe it's happened to you and they say something like, I want you to please do me a favor. I know that you are close to God. I know that you are, are a person that believes in the word and, and I need you to help me. I need you to please, play for, please, please pray for my mother. Please uh, pray for my siblings. Pray for my father. We have a need. My mama is really sick and you're really close to God and God will hear you. Please pray to God. Why is it that they're asking you for this? It is because of the fact that the word of God has come into their lives and when they have heard something of the word of God, it begins to bring about faith in their lives otherwise they would have never gone up to you and asked you to help them in that kind of a situation so when a person now is of the Lord they are a believer now they have become a spiritual 
being or a spiritual man or a spiritual woman. What this means is that they have heard the word of God. They have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. They believe that Jesus is the Savior and they are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because they have repented and they are forgiven of their sins and they receive the Holy Ghost and they understand that the gift of the Holy Ghost is also the Spirit of God will give them gifts, spiritual gifts, and that uh, God does all these things where he creates ministries in a person's life and gives them ministries and, and opportunities to serve in the Lord and different operations happens in their lives. They are no longer a natural man or woman. They are a spiritual man, a spiritual woman. But if you've had this happen, you've been driving around and all of a sudden you notice that your tire in your vehicle is going a little flat. And you may not uh, first pay attention to it and you put some air in there. And then you drive around and it starts to go flat again. Maybe it takes three days. Maybe it takes seven days. The air pressure starts to drop. I mean, what's happened is you run over something that has damaged your tire. Or for whatever the reason is, something has compromised the integrity of that tire. Just the same way with a Christian. A Christian, uh, a man, a woman that is spiritual. That begins to become negligent. That neglects their spiritual life. Is like the same thing as a tire that begins to go flat. It's not from one day to the other. It's a very slow process. Some people will miss a Sunday and they'll feel bad about it. But they had to go do something that was important to them. They had family that came over so they had to miss the service. Thursday comes around and we have a special prayer service. Or we have a teaching, a theme. And something else came up and they couldn't make it to church and they feel bad about it but not as bad as the first time they missed Sunday comes around and all of a sudden something else is coming up and they can't come to the church service and that fire that the Holy Ghost has set in a person begins to die out they begin begin to feel a little cold they begin to feel a little insensitive towards the things of the Lord and that is a dangerous condition to be in and if it continues on unfortunately the devil may have his way, and next thing you hear, brother or a sister fell into sin. What do we do with those brothers? The Bible says restore them. If you're spiritual, go and restore them. Because right now what you see in them, that they're weak, that they have fallen. Be careful if you think you're so strong, because you yourself may one day be in their same condition. So you got to be considerate. You have to be loving. You have to be understanding because what they're going through today, you may be strong today, but even the apostles said this or the disciples, Lord, increase our faith because faith can go up and down, up and down when we don't take care of it. So if they're down and out, you might be in that condition tomorrow. So today extend the hand of mercy and restore them with a spirit of meekness, a loving heart, so that in case you need them, they will turn around and practice what you practice with them. They will help you. Can somebody say amen? If you've been walking with Christ for, say, one year, two years, three years, 10 years, 20 years, you will notice that this is something that can happen in our lives. We may be nice and strong and very, very close to God. And then things come in the ways because of our immaturity, because of our lack of experience. We let certain things kind of drive a wedge between us and the Lord and the things of God. And then we begin to suffer. 
And that can happen to each and every one of us. Why? Because we're in the battlefield and you're fighting and the devil doesn't rest and you get tired. The devil doesn't get tired. So that's when you need the strength of the Lord. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I am here five years, 10 years later, 15 years later, not because of I, but because of him. Anything that we are is not because of us. It is because of him. Verse 2 tells you, bear ye one another's burdens. The, the, the things that they have to deal with, the problems, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What does this mean? Each and every one of us has a burden to carry. Each and every one of us has received the word from Jesus Christ that if you want to be his follower, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Everybody has a different kind of cross. I didn't share this with the Spanish ministry, but I feel in my heart, I remember a man said, some people want a nice, beautiful wooden cross. And this man with the wooden cross said, man, I'd like to have that golden cross. Somebody else said, man, I'd like to have that rose-covered cross. And they tried that cross and they say, man, this cross with these roses is very beautiful. It smells good. It's very appealing to the eye, but it is full of thorns. It's not for me. Maybe I'll just go back to my splintering cross. He says, but I tried that cross right there, a golden cross. But man, it is so heavy. That cross is just not for me. So you see, everybody has a cross that we have to carry. Everybody has their burden. But just as Jesus, when he couldn't carry that cross, there was a man that was told and instructed, help him carry that cross. Just as the same for us. Maybe you don't have a weakness that your brother or your sister does. And you're mature and you're strong. Maybe because you already went through it. And now it is your time to help them carry that burden. I'm not talking about do everything for them. I'm talking about be patient with them. And this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Jesus has taught us a very nice principle, very simple. When you have an orange tree, you will harvest oranges. If you have a lemon tree, you will harvest lemons. If you have a grapevine, you will receive grapes. And the children of God are known by their fruits. Because by their fruit, ye will know them. Who? The disciples of Christ. In this, they shall know that you are truly my disciples. In that you love one another. A preacher said one time, and I thought it was impacting. For they shall be known by their fruits and not by their suits. The suits can just are just an external. The fruit of the Spirit is what needs to be seen in us. Show me that you're Christian by your actions, not just by your words. Can we show them mercy? Can we show them love? Can we show them patience? Can we show them an understanding? For there are six things that are abominable before the Lord or something that he really dislikes, and it's even seven, and one of them is those feet that are really quick to run to cause harm. Sometimes we confuse our positions and our authority in order to bash somebody instead of to help them get back up. God have mercy of all of us. The Bible says, chapter 6, verse 4 now, but let every man prove his own work. In other words, whatever you do, examine it. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone 
and not in another. And what it's saying is this. If you have a particular area in your life where you are strong and where you are a blessing, take that area of your ministry, of your spiritual life, and look at it and observe it and test it and see what your intentions really are. And if they are good intentions, then rejoice in it. Rejoice in the fact that you can serve really effectively in a certain ministry or in a certain area of your Christian life. But do not, do not compare yourself to somebody else and say, well, I'm better because I can do this job better than them. You don't do that because now you're putting them down because you're better at something than they are. They have another area in their life where they are stronger in. So what the Bible is trying to teach us is, you know where you may be strong. Rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. But make sure that you're watching yourself and not comparing yourself to others. Everybody has their own battle, their own struggle, their own cross to carry. Can you say amen? Hopefully you are, absor or you are absorbing this because it's going to be a blessing to your life. Verse 5, for every man shall bear his own burden. And let him, verse 6, that is taught in the word, that is mentored in the word, communicate unto him, unto his teacher, the disciple. Let the teacher know in all good things. Share those good things. And we rejoice in the success of our brothers and sisters that we are helping grow. Can you say amen? See, being Christian, it's not just about receiving. It's about giving. The most important thing in our life is what we give. It's whatever we receive from Christ, we give to others. Now, sometimes people may live a life that looks all good. That looks like it's perfectly tailored Christian life. Look at what verse 7 warns us. Deceived means when you believe something as if it is true, when in fact it is not. When you maybe think that you are right with Christ. I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. And because of sometimes a misunderstanding or because of lack of understanding of the word of God, we say, I love you, God. I love you. But I can't stand your brother or your neighbor. The Bible says that if you cannot love them, then you don't really love God. And it's always a thing of, how is that possible? And it's because if you... Say that you love God, but you don't love that other person. You don't love the other person that is made in the image and likeness of God. And if you can love God, which you can, whom you cannot see, then it will be easier to love those that you do see. If you cannot love those that you see, how do you love the one you cannot see? You can't. It's impossible. So be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you plant tomatoes, you're going to receive tomatoes. If you plant an orange tree, you are going to receive oranges. And if you plant and sow mercy, you shall receive mercy. I didn't share this with the others because it just comes to my mind. Why did you not forgive your brother? after I forgave or why did you not forgive the one that owed you after I forgave you for what you owed me remember that 
That man that said, King, I can't pay you. I can't pay you, my king. Put him in the jail. Sell everything. Sell this, even his family. So they can pay this debt. No, my king, no. Have mercy. Have mercy, my king. Please, I'll pay you everything. And the king is moved to mercy. You know, I'm going to forgive your debt. And another man comes about and he can't pay. And the king, uh, well, what does this say with this one? He is forgiven. But then this man sees the other one that owes him even a lot less. And he cannot forgive him. And the king becomes angry. Why did you not forgive the one that owed you less after I had forgiven you? We have to practice this love, mercy, forgiveness. It's our responsibility as children of God to have mercy of our brothers that are carrying a burden that are weaker than us. Whatever you reap, whatever you sow, that you will reap. Verse 8 says, For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. The Bible says there is no condemnation that for them that walk or that are in Christ Jesus. For them that walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That is what the Bible teaches us. There is no condemnation for them. But if you live in the flesh, if you sow or reap, you sow for the flesh, you shall reap death for your soul. And the last verses says the following. Let us not be weary in doing, in well-doing. Don't get tired of doing the right thing. Don't get tired. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Nobody likes to be taken advantage of. Everybody has responsibilities. Amen? Some have more, some have less. In different ways or another, but we all have responsibilities. And sometimes it's like, man, I, I, I don't know about giving. They, they always want me to give. But it is better to give than to receive. And it's not just because at least you have something to give. That's not 100% why. The reason it's better to give, it's because Jesus and God and God himself gives. He gave himself. And it's a blessing to be able to give. And that feeling you get automatically, you automatically receive a blessing when you give. So don't get tired of giving. You know, our church has been known for being a very giving church. Since I can remember, since I was a little boy in this congregation, it's always been known as a very giving church. A church that doesn't hold back. Bishop Duncan was here from Kenya. The church gave him a love offering of $1,500. You might say, was that a little, is that a lot? You know, to all the, all the honor and all the glory is to the Lord. But it's a blessing for our brothers in Kenya. They suffer. He said, Bishop Prado, I want you to know that with this offering, we will build bathrooms, restrooms, so that when our members come from far away, they don't, they're not concerned about when they have to use a restroom. They will have some in our church. And that's a big blessing. That's a blessing, brothers. So we see that we can do good when we have an opportunity if you'll stand let us not get tired of doing the right thing
If the church doesn't know, I believe everybody has seen our littlest one. She's a little bit over a year and a half old. She's the baby of the family. The oldest one was the baby and the only one for the longest. Amen. But when you, I had my little girl in my arms and I told her brother Abraham Marquez home. I said, if you saw this little girl wandering the streets, hungry, homeless, with her clothing, clothing dirty, how many of you would pick her up and say, I'm taking you with me. I'm taking care of you. Each and every one of them said, I, I would do so. And I asked them, but you already have children. Is there going to be enough food? We'll make enough food. We'll share. But your home may be crowded. It's okay. We always have room for one more. Because your heart goes out for a child that's defenseless. But those that are out there in the streets are also in the grips of sin and evil and need to be saved. They're hungry for Jesus. They're hopeless. They are defenseless. And if we ought to stand up for them, much more for the ones of our own body of Christ. So when you see your brother or your sister that are faltering, that are struggling, do the right thing and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to encourage you. Open up your heart to them. Mentor them. Tell them, I've been through what you're going through. I know what it's like to go through this. I know what it's like to suffer. I know what it's like to feel whatever it is you're feeling. But let me tell you how Jesus saw me through. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel pain. But I'm going to help you get through this. And I know you fell. I know you left God. Because there's a lot of brothers that stopped coming to church. That have quit walking with Christ. But what are we to do? We're to go back and say, in the name of Jesus, get up. Let's walk forward. Because if you think that you're strong, be careful. Because tomorrow you might fall and you need mercy. How many of you would like to ask the Lord, give me a better heart, Lord? I'm going to invite you to come up here in Jesus' name as we present ourselves unto the Lord. It's still early, amen. We've got 31 minutes. We could still pray at this altar, amen. I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to invite you to open up your heart unto the Lord. Being a Christian is more than just coming to church on Sunday or on a Thursday. It's an everyday life-changing thing that you do every day. It's seeking God's presence every day. It's loving those that hate you. It's forgiving those that offend you. It's forgiving those that laugh at you. It's having patience with those that offend you. It's like being like Jesus who was hanging on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's what Jesus did when Peter said, I don't know the man. I don't know who he is. I was never walking with them. Yes, yes, you were. Yes, you were. We saw you. I'm not, I'm, it's not me. I, I don't know who that man is. But even the way you speak tells us that you're one of them. No, I'm not. And Peter begins to blaspheme me. 
And when Jesus gets up from the dead, he tells the women, go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm here. I've, I've gotten up. Just in case Peter has that doubt, man, how could he ever love me? I, de I denied him. I, I told people I never knew him. And Jesus has room in his heart for Peter, just like he does for you and I. Lord Jesus, today we want to thank you, God, for your word. We want to thank you for your love and for your mercy. We want to thank you, God, for everything you've done for us. And we, are not, we want to ask God in Jesus' name as we acknowledge your great sacrifice. Everything that you have done for us to look at our hearts, God. Sometimes maybe we have put our brothers and our sisters down because they were not as fast as we were, as strong as we were. But then came times, Lord, when we knew that we were not all that strong. We want to ask you, God, forgive us and give us the strength and the courage and the wisdom to go and seek our brothers. Where is your brother? Where is your sister? Lord, I've gone back and I've helped them get back up with your help, Lord. With your Holy Ghost anointing, you have spoken to their lives. Help us give you a report, God, that we surrendered unto you with a humble spirit, went back and restored our brothers and sisters in Christ so that they could walk with you. Help us, God, so when you ask us, where is your brother, where is your sister? We can say, Lord, here they are. I've helped them. I've mentored them. I've showed them what you have shown me. Just as Paul, Lord, was able to say, we want to be able to say to our brothers, be imitators of us as we are of Christ. Paul learned it. He had mercy. We want to be the same way. Help us, Lord. Take my life, Lord. Take my heart, Lord. Take everything that I am. As the praise team ministers, anoint them, God. Use the praise team, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. Not moving back, I'm moving ahead. I'm to declare to you, my past is over in you. All things are made.